Welcome to Food Farms and Chefs radio show, where we highlight everyone from the top industry leaders to startups and farmers that make it all possible with Chef Jean Blom and photojournalist Amaris Pollock. At this time, I would love to introduce to all of our Food Farms and Chefs fans, Galen Thomas, who is the owner and uh, operator, actually, of Cloud Cups. Galen, thank you for joining us on Food Farms and Chefs. Oh, no, thanks for having me so much. It was a pleasure to be here. It's a pleasure to uh, to speak with you again. I actually first was introduced to you when you um, had your collaboration at Cherry Street Pier with uh, with with uh Charisse. Charisse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's a really popular flavor still. We're getting ready to launch it back out as soon as Cherry Street here uh or Spruce Street Harbor opens up for the season. Yeah, because I mean that was absolutely delicious. And I know that you um became more and more popular, you know, as time as as time came by, but like how how did you get started? Because I know that you did all um that Obviously, everybody walks into the culinary field um, because they have an interest in a in in a love for for food in some aspect. So, how did you get started in in this at, like down this avenue? Uh, I mean, I always had a real you know knack or liking towards the frozen desserts. So I kind of saw you know not too many people making the, the gelato and stuff. So I kind of made a push to started doing it and flavor after flavor after flavor has been just coming to me like clockwork now. <laughs> I mean, it definitely, it bodes well. Like, and you see some ice cream places and your gelato specifically, um, which is a, a delicious version of ice cream. Um, it's softer, it's lighter. Uh, it has more air to it and, you know, everything for, for this season, especially because it's spring. So it's getting warmer out. Everybody's going to be looking for, you know, a sweet treat. That's a frozen delight too. So yeah, we're hoping to be that one this spring and this summer for sure. <laughs> <laughs> So what is the difference? What distinguishes gelato for our listeners out there versus ice cream? So uh, gelato and I mean, it's not too many similarities to gelato and ice cream, but so, you know, the creamy and the richness of it is definitely a big, you know, uh, different uh, difference, uh, difference between the two. Um, how like you already I mean, you made a great description of it already. It's light, it's airy. It doesn't make you feel as full and stuff when you eat it. Um, um, we do the sorbets, which is our our vegan friendly flavors and stuff. So you'll get your non dairy flavors. I also have a bunch of non dairy gelato and stuff that I'm be launching out at Pizza Brain this spring. So. And uh, off of that, because you mentioned Pizza Brain, I know that you were collaborating and you were selling out of Pizza Brain for a little bit, but you have exciting news to announce because something big is happening. Yeah, we've been working on it since, honestly, since last September, but now we're getting ready. We're a couple of weeks away from actually opening the doors to the public for gelato and pizza to be kind of reunited the way it was before with little babies before they uh kind of went out of business so 
now we're we're kind of reuniting everything over there. We're beginning of May. I'm really excited to get things rolling over there. I'll probably do about 12 flavors um, daily, kind of rotating them based on the popularity of them. Want to do a lot of inter, uh, social media engagement to see what people want to have in the store. So we'll kind of just switch it up. And then just being able to just produce things as quickly as we are, we'll probably be rotating flavors a lot. We have over 90. So, I mean, honestly, we're probably creeping up closer to 190 now. So <laughs> I'm sure I'm sure we'll have a bunch of flavors in there for everybody to enjoy. Yeah. And I mean, I, I obviously, I, because I, you know, was there for the, uh, the media event for the, uh, French Toast Bites collaboration. I know for a fact that that is absolutely delicious and it's creamy and it has that nice chocolatey flavor. And because um, there's this, I, I preferred the stretch. Uh, I love this. Yes. <laughs> I was like, I knew I was going to, I was going to mess something up. <laughs> Stracciatella. Um, with the, the ribbons of chocolate that are within that, because that's, I feel like that's what makes it, um, you know, but like the French toast bites, obviously with the cinnamon and cinnamon always um, kind of like blooms any flavor that you put it on. So having that already incorporated, it's, it's going to like bring, that flavor profile out even more so yeah i really i mean this the, the french toast tracciatella is definitely one of my uh one of my favorite flavors i mean sharice makes an excellent product with the french toast bite so i mean just a combination of us two putting something together kind of literally just magic happening yeah <laughs> <laughs> but um let's circle back around to the fact that um i believe you actually studied at uh specific ice cream or frozen treat uh universities in order to gain that skill that additional skill level in order to create some of these gelatos that you come up with yeah so i attended Carpajani uh school uh gelato university and i also attended their frozen dessert university as well um became lifetime friends with my professor baron uh yeah, he was one of the he really took a liking to me we really hit it off he saw the potential on what i was trying to create and always gave me that kind of help along the way so i mean definitely carpet johnny definitely helped me a lot with laying the great the legwork into my my gelato career yeah. And um, I believe you also started out by making CB- CBD infused gelatos, which I don't think I've ever heard of anybody doing that. I've, I've heard of like beverages, obviously infused chocolates, um, you know, people doing tasting menus that involve CBD infusions. But you actually brought it into an, like the gelatos, which I, I thought was quite interesting. Yeah, I was the first person to actually do it. I mean, just due to like FDA regulations and things like that, I was on, on, no, no longer able to kind of supply the product anymore. So as regulations change in the near future, maybe I will get back into it. But right now I just kind of had to put a halt to it. And it, it made it smooth transition because people were just asking me to make the gelato without the CBD and stuff in it. So it kind of came and we're like, the flavors are just so good. People just want them regardless. So I actually kind of segued right into just making regular gelato now. 
Well, I mean, and gelato, if anybody's ever had it or not had it, if you're living under a rock and you have not had it, you have to taste gelato because it is, as as I had described earlier and you confirmed, it's smooth, it's creamy, it's airy, it's not going to, it's not that heaviness that um, a traditional ice cream is going to bring to your palate and to your, you know, in, into your body for all intents and purposes. <laughs> No, yeah. I mean, gelato is definitely just, it literally, I mean, ice cream will metal in your tongue, but the way that the gelato will metal in your tongue is a, it's a, it's a big difference that you have to experience for yourself. So I hope people come on by to Fishtown in the early May and come and check out some of the flavors I have to offer or stop by and grab a pint. So, Take it home with you. Yeah. So are there any particular flavors that you're, you know, that are going to be on your set menu when you open up? Yeah. So I do have some of our, this will be, um, let's say these are our signature flavors. Um, so our signature flavors are our lemon sorbetto, mango sorbet, passion fruit sorbet, Berry Mafia, which is my mixed berry sorbet, raspberry, strawberries, blueberries, um, vanilla, chocolate, strawberry, of course. Uh, one of our really hit flavors is our banana pudding. Hmm. Uh, butter pecan. I have a brown cinnamon sugar pop tarts I created myself. Um, I do a white coffee. It's, it tastes the way coffee smells, if that makes any sense. Um, cookies and cream, mint chocolate chip, and salted caramel. Those are my, like, staple flavors. Mm-hmm. My mom hand makes the caramel, so the, the salted caramel is really special to me. But I have over, I guess, another 85 flavors <laughs> that I'll, they'll be making the rotation within the year. I saw some of those flavors, and they're interesting. I, I want to circle back to the, the Pop-Tart one, because I, I did <laughs> see that, and I was like, how did he pull that one off? That was actually a creator I created a flavor I created uh in gelato school. So like at the end of the school course, I mean at the end of the course they have like a little gelato competition for all the chefs in the class. And I was like, I wanna do something different. It's like I really love brown to them and sugar pop tarts when I used to go go to school back in the day. So I was like, I wonder how it would taste with gelato and it's like <laughs> it's literally amazing. <laughs> I'm sure it is. And uh, and there was another one that, because something that um, you you don't, uh, I, I don't know if it's out there yet, but you're going to have seasonal um, options too, like the strawberry rhubarb. Yeah, that's a summer, summertime collection. Uh, can't wait to roll that thing, roll out the strawberry rhubarb. Um, of course, the pistachios, that's another really good flavor. Uh, we did the Art Museum Artist event a couple of weeks ago and People couldn't get enough of the pistachio. I mean, I don't know anybody who doesn't love pistachio, unless if you're <laughs> allergic to nuts. But I love yeah. pistachio, and I feel like a On lot a of nice waffle cone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh yeah, and that's something else that you're bringing out too. It's a, a cloud nini. Yeah, so we do have a cloud nini. It's a fresh baked pastry, uh, sliced in half. You get your pairing of whatever flavored gelato you want. We toast it so it's hot on the outside and cold on the inside. It's literally another magical treat that we <laughs> that we offer. So is it like a sandwich or is it, you know, something? It's like an ice cream sandwich. Okay. 
But just, you know, with that airy pastry, like, so it's going to bring an, uh, even more airiness to it if it's a pastry. Yeah, and they're, they're freshly baked with the local bakery that we paired up with. Um, they hand, they, they, we kind of created this this pastry for just this treat itself because I was trying different ways, but then I linked up with them and it was just a, a perfect pairing. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously the brick and mortar is a huge undertaking because opening up and like you're going to con- collab with Pizza Brain. So um, what sort of collaborations are we going to look forward to since you guys are right next door to one another? I mean, hopefully we know we can put together a lot of uh, pizza and gelato parties and, you know, Pizza Brain has a big patio in the back. So maybe we do some uh, a bunch of like little shindigs and stuff out in the bag, have some live music maybe. And I mean, the possibilities are endless. Uh, the owners of Pizza Brand and I, I have a really good relationship, so we've been talking about how we're going to make it a nice little place for a family to come and people to come enjoy gelato and pizza and have a good time. I, and that's that's perfect. That seems like a perfect collaboration and a, a perfect day because I don't know anybody who doesn't love pizza and Pizza Brain. You know, of, of is. Like, not only that, but uh, it's also a museum. So there's a lot of stuff to see and do when you're there, too. Yeah, Pizza Brain actually won a Guinness record for, you know, most pizza memorabilia in the location. And they've only been adding it since they won it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, you know, being that you are going to open open soon, are you planning on a big event, like a grand opening? Um, I'm working on something with my publicist, uh, Corey, um, and just trying to iron things out. But, yeah, we're, we'll have some events and stuff for, for everybody to come out and enjoy, enjoy a scoop of gelato and have a good slice of pizza maybe with it, too. There you go. <laughs> um, and, you know, as far as the pop-ups are concerned, because... You know, I I would love to see you at Cherry Street Pier again. You know, but like, are there other you know places that we we can uh, we can find you? Um, I think I'm pretty sure I'll be at Roots Picnic. Um, just trying to figure it out right now. All the logistics for the summertime. Just more more focused on getting this store open first, and just seeing what else the summer has to offer. Uh, that's the, you know, summer, summertime is definitely going to offer a lot, a lot of opportunities because there's tons of events that are going on. Um, and, you know, I'm sure that with all of the like pop-up beer gardens, with, you know, parks on tap, with um, the Wawa Welcome America Festival, which is going to be in July, yeah. there's plenty of opportunities for you to, to come on out. But starting with the roots, that's exciting. Yeah, that's a good way to kick off our summer, I think. <laughs> that's a great way to to kick off your summer. Um, and, I mean, Gene, unfortunately, he's he's en route somewhere, so uh, he, he had to pop off for a second. But um, but he usually is involved in, in all of those events in some aspect, too, because uh, he helps uh, run some of the food trucks that are there. So maybe you could see him um, stop on over. But uh, I want to get back to yeah, that. Sure. Yeah, I want to get back to your ice cream or your gelatos because um, I, I mean, obviously I'm a huge fan of tasting different flavors, of trying new things. Is there anything outside of the Pop-Tart one and the strawberry rhubarb that you might 
create or that you find is more interesting or enticing? So this is one of my favorite flavors right now, but it's really a flavor that's a labor of love. <laughs> um, my orange creamsicle. Um, I make my custard from scratch, uh, pair it up with some orange sorbet. Um, I mix both together. It gives you that taste of a, a good humor bar from back in the day, the orange creamsicle. Mm-hmm. And it literally tastes just like childhood. So <laughs> for me, that's one of my favorite flavors right now to, to make. It just it takes a lot of elbow grease. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure. You know what I would love to see? Like, because I don't think that I've ever seen a gelato flavor where it incorporates bourbon. I would love to see like a bourbon infused uh, gelato. Oh, yeah, I have a maple bourbon flavor. <clears throat> That's good. A bourbon, and a bourbon caramel. Oh, there we go. I didn't see those flavors, but I'm all about that. Yeah, I mean, I got to have something to spice up for the for the grown folks, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm excited for you, and I'm excited to uh, to be able to taste some of the new flavors and for when you have the grand opening and, you know, and also, like, hopping on over to Pizza Brain and enjoying some slices as well. Yeah, for sure. Again, I'm ready to throw some nice paint up and over on this uh, our side, and uh, we have the artist uh, Taki. He's going to be doing some mural work at the at the location. So, really excited what these these last couple of weeks are going to have with shaping up the store and the grand opening. Yeah. Well, listen. As soon as uh, as soon as you're you're ready for that, I'm sure I'll hear from Corey again uh, to to let us know that you have you're having the grand opening. But um, where can people? For sure, come on by. Exactly. Where can people <laughs> find you um, online and and you know find out updates? Um, right now, we're just updating our website before the grand opening. So once we. Uh... Once we open up in May, we'll re- we relaunch the, the website. People will be able to kind of place pickup orders. Um, we'll be available on DoorDash and Caviar uh, really soon. So um, people will be able to get gelato right to their doorstep. That's perfect. And I and can people also order food? Because I feel like you, you have Cloud Cups available in other states as well. Um. Yeah, I have some uh, down in Atlanta. There's some in Virginia Beach, uh, New York. Uh, yeah, we have everything listed on our website, but they can definitely uh, just send us a, a message on Instagram for right now, and it will get them so situated. We ship kind of basically through the tri-state all the way up to Connecticut, and as far as down as Virginia Beach area, we'll ship it to you guys. And as far as, I think it's Pittsburgh. But yeah, I have everything. You just send me a message on Instagram or something, and we'll get it to, we'll get it to you. <laughs> well, that's awesome. And Galen, thank you so much for joining us on Food Farms and Chefs. Uh, no, thanks for having me. Appreciate your time. All right. So I will look forward to your grand opening of Cloud Cups next to P- Pizza Brain. And also, you know, at pop-ups throughout the summer. Yeah, you'll see us around the city, for sure. (laughs) All right. Thank you so much, Galen. 
Right, no problem. Have a good one. You too. To become a sponsor of Food Farms and Chefs and have your business or event promoted on two radio stations in Philadelphia that play on Tuesdays during Drive Time Radio and on a station in New York on Fridays at 1 p.m., you can email us at foodfarmsandchefs at yahoo.com ibfoodie2 at yahoo.com or arpolicus at gmail.com. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Food Farms and Chefs. I am honored to bring on the executive chef of Cooper Shark. Uh, Copper Shark. Copper Shark, sorry, in Baltimore. See, I knew I was going to mess something up. (laughs) (laughs) And, of course, it's the name of the restaurant. But, um, (laughs) sorry, Chef Matthew Audette, thank you so much for joining us on Food Food Farms and Chefs. Thank you. To, thank you for having me. I'm actually the one honored here. I, I listen to your show all the time. I'm excited to be here. Thank you so much. It's it's always nice to have a fan. <laughs> um. So how did you get started? Because I, I tried doing a little bit of history on you and um, I believe you graduated from Johnson and Wales. I did. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm really bad at the LinkedIn thing. So I graduated from uh, I've been literally cooking since I was like 12. Uh, and then went to in small mom and pop places, realized that I really enjoyed it, and then went to Johnson and Wales and graduated what seems like forever ago. Uh, promptly moved to Boston directly after that and worked in Boston at, I'd say, a good handful of the best restaurants in Boston for about like nine or 10 years, and then decided to move down here to be closer to family in Baltimore. I mean, that makes sense to to want to be, you know, near your family members and and. Um, so Baltimore, I've, I've seen Baltimore, I've stayed over uh, in Baltimore and, um, the Harbor area is like a booming scene, but where, where is, uh, Copper, Copper Shark Baltimore located? Uh, so we are a little bit out, uh, outside of the downtown area. We are in an area called Locust Point. Mm-hmm. So, um, it's a great little neighborhood. Um, it's very up and coming. We're over by Fort McHenry where all the battles were fought like back in the day so it's very picturesque very like it's a gorgeous little neighborhood yeah so and how long have you actually been the executive chef there uh so i have been executive chef there for about three years unfortunately we have only opened i believe it was last june so we got we got everything up we got everything rolling we got the place and then COVID hit (laughs) so we decided that we would wait like you know a year or two but it was great because it gave us time to build out the kitchen, the restaurant, exactly the way we wanted it. And we ended up with a gorgeous product. Which is good. Um, and now, did you curate the entire menu? Uh, the menu is 100% mine. I work with the owners. Uh, I got very, very lucky where I met the owners. And from moment one, we just started talking about the concept that I wanted to do and the concept that they wanted to do. And it just fell right hand in hand. And at this point, we just all go in and play and have fun. It's a great place. I mean, it's <laughs> you're you're saying that it's a great place and it's uh, a place where you have fun. I love restaurants where the food comes out and you can tell like there's definitely an additional love of what is being is happening behind scenes in the back of house boh uh, for for those who who don't know the industry. Um, and it, because when you work well together and when it's a, a good environment, it it comes out throughout through the kitchen, through the dining experience. I, I totally agree. And I got very, very lucky in this establishment where so I've been in Baltimore for probably like seven, eight years now. Mm-hmm. And I uh, as soon as all my old sous chefs and cooks found out I was doing this, they all jumped on board. 
So all of a sudden we had a great network of like friends and family back there. Like my sous chef right now has worked with me for 10 years. So it's, it's a great environment. That's good. Do you have, do you have family meals before everything like uh service? Uh, every single day. Uh, and it's great because the guys in the morning, the prep crew, I walk into like handmade arepas and tacos every single day. And then uh, we make, I mean, our wait staff prefers like chicken tenders, but you know. oh, no. <laughs> I I would totally be down for the arepas because uh, <laughs> I mean, nothing's better than like some Latin food, like just oh, so good. I, it, the breakfast of champions. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so how did you come about deciding? Because I saw, like, obviously, like, you have a, a large selection of di- various uh, dishes to, to, to choose from. How did you come up with the different um, menu items? So to be very honest, it's everything I actually like to eat. Oh. So uh, when I first moved here to Baltimore, I thought that now it's grown a little bit since then, but the food was primarily like crab cakes like chicken and waffles, shrimp and grits, like very staples at like all the restaurants. And they're amazing. Mm -hmm. But I missed like uh, from New York, Boston, everything like that, having foie gras, having octopus, having tuna tartare, having just like the more eclectic ingredients, which are a little bit harder to source here. But it's food that I have a passion for and a love for. Yeah. And I mean, I did look, I did spy at your options and I saw that you had the grilled, uh, the grilled octopus. And that's one of my, like, my loves. Like when I see that on a rest, um, on a restaurant, restaurant's menu, that's like usually something that I'll zone in. Zin, yeah, I'll, I'll zone in on and, and order that, that or um, you had uh, something else. Oh, the ahi tuna. Yes. So the ahi tuna and the octopus are actually two of our, um, best-selling appetizers. Our best-selling is actually something. So I really like fat kid food sometimes. <laughs> so uh, um, everyone loves mozzarella sticks. Yeah. So what we what I decided to do was like partially freeze and bread burrata, and then you fry it. So you get that nice crispy outside. And when you cut into it, it just oozes out all over the plate. Mm. So it's like the ultimate sinful fried cheese. <laughs> I mean, you can't go wrong with fried cheese ever. No, no, no. <laughs> No, um, I want to I want to also mention the fact that you have such a like you have a dinner menu, you have a brunch menu, you have a bar menu. Um, so there's a lot of different options to go to when you go there and visit. Uh, so I would say one of my favorites. So I really enjoy the dinner menu. The dinner menu is like that was my baby since day one. <laughs> but the area where I get to play the most and have the most fun for food that I would like not everyone can go out and you have foie gras and octopus every day. Our lunch menu is something special. Like it's everything. So we built a charcuterie station in the middle of the dining room. Oh, wow. Uh, and we make all of our charcuterie in-house with the exception of like prosciutto and dry carrots. And it's everything from making the best Italian sub in the city to the best burger that you can have <laughs> to like uh, pretty much um, flounder, like, you know, any flounder or salmon. And like, so we get to broach that wide array of different foods and like make it more approachable. Yeah. And I also saw that you had a tomahawk steak too. Yes. So uh, that's the big daddy. So that we actually, in the restaurant, we call that the baller. So when people get that, they're the baller. So uh, it's for two people. It's a 32 ounce tomahawk steak. <laughs> uh, it takes a minute. 
but uh, it's definitely worth it. It get with the pomfret fort, the truffled mac and cheese, asparagus, and the soft perigordine. Definitely worth it. Yeah, I was like, because I've never actually had a tomahawk steak before, but I would love to like try to eat it. I would have to probably bring somebody, maybe two people with me, but because <laughs> thirty two ounces is a lot of meat. Um, it actually get split four ways. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I eat, I can eat like if especially if I'm like in my hungry hungry hippo mode, I like definitely can eat more than more than a normal person. But uh, but I like you come down and give it a shot. <laughs> I have, I have Challenge accepted. <laughs> so I also want to mention the fact that you know the the restaurant itself um gives a nod to the prohibition area era. So. Yes. What's the history? Because it's it sounds like you guys have a deep, deep-seated history within the Prohibition era. Correct. So the name of the copper or the name Copper Shark actually refers to what people in Maryland used to call uh, their whiskey stills because they were made out of copper, and their, their whiskey had a bite or something like that. So uh, one of our owners actually their their grandparents or great grandparents actually operated one of those stills here in Maryland. So yeah, so. We definitely do have a still in the restaurant. We're working up towards making our own whiskey someday, but like we definitely have uh, deep seated roots in that. We have now there's some great whiskey bars here in Baltimore, but I definitely think we're up there with one of the best selections in town. Which is very cool. Um, especially I love my browns and Gene, unfortunately, can't join us, but he also loves bourbon and whiskey as well. Um, I I have a large selection at my my own house, but, you know, if you go to his house, it's like, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> it uh, it can be overwhelming. When the craze hit a couple of years ago, it went a little nutty, and like some of the some of the bottles, like I mean, you have your pappy and stuff like that, but mm. like some of the um, whistle pigs and stuff like that, like they're definitely worth the money. Oh yeah, which you know, like you mentioned, whistle pig. I know that's a very 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 delicious brand. Um, so. Or uh, I think it's Whistle Pig. No, there's a but there is a, a brand with with pig in it. But um, I I definitely am huge fan of of bourbon. So that's something else that I would like go there and just pair like a bourbon with a tomahawk steak, and I'd be happy. Well, we we also have some dishes that we like try to incorporate the two together. So for example, like our roasted bone marrow, when it's done, we we actually encourage people to do it like a whiskey luge right out of the bone. Like, so we definitely have some sort of like fun things like that as well going on. Now, do you, do you push the bone marrow into any of your, uh, your, when when it's all done, when you're done eating it, you just like literally use it as a luge. Okay. (laughs) Cause I was like the bone marrow itself, like adds a lot of flavor. And I know like, oh, you know, white people don't usually like to, to try new things, but you really, if you're out there and you haven't incorporated bone marrow into like some of your, your meals, you really need to try it. Cause it adds like a whole different, you know, layer of profile and taste it just adds like we we actually our tomahawk comes with bone marrow butter right on top of it oh nice yeah (laughs) you're like let me talk (laughs) um but yeah that's delicious so yeah like i said we were we've gotten very lucky so i wasn't used to seeing a lot of these foods in baltimore like the fact that people are going nuts for foie gras and bone marrow and stuff like that like people go nuts for bone marrow in Baltimore. It's, I never thought I'd see it. <laughs> but I mean, it's a good thing. And I mean, we're running low on time because we're having so much fun talking, but um, what uh, you also have a nice de- selection of desserts too. 
Uh, yes. So unfortunately, I'm I am currently the pastry chef. I'm looking for a pastry chef. Putting the word out there. But uh, yes, we definitely have a lot of fun with that. That once again is just inspired like the fat kid food that I used to love growing up. <laughs> I um I I know that you have a you have a chocolate no the panna cotta the panna cotta was uh like struck my interest. So uh, I think the one that's on our website right now is the blueberry and lemon curd. Okay. So blueberry and lemon this time of year, you can't go wrong with it. So all it is, it, it is a uh, house-made buttermilk that we uh, hit with a little sour cream and gelatin, a little bit of sugar, float some blue blueberries in there, put some sous vide blueberries on top, some house-made lemon curd and whipped cream, and serve it with some Meyer lemon cookies. I mean, sounds perfect. Yes. It, uh, so now that we're going with the patio and stuff like that, that's kind of the food that we're going with. Like, it's gorgeous outside. It's spring. It's time for strawberry, rhubarb, lemon, blueberries. Like it's go time. Yeah, it's definitely go time for that. So, um, <laughs> what else can we look forward to? Do you guys have any events coming up? Uh, so we are actually going to be doing a uh, Cinco de Mayo party, almost like a block party, um, to like kind of like release our patio. So. Last year, we opened up too late to have the patio fully going by the time we were open. So we're going to have just a big party. Uh, I'm also doing a whistle pig. Um, I believe it's on our website right now. We're doing a whistle pig dinner okay. with uh, a four course dinner. And we're actually going to turn those into a series with whistle pig. Oh, nice. Um, so, yeah. And then that's pretty much it for events coming up. <laughs> and um what's something because i know that you also have brunch available too like what what are some of your like brunch items you know on that people can enjoy on the weekends uh so a couple of our signatures that the very lovely neighborhood has like taken on and like ran with is i make a cinnamon roll donut where essentially you literally just make a cinnamon roll but rather than bake it you fry it like you would a donut toss okay. it in churro dust and then Top it with salted caramel and serve it with cream cheese icing. That well, one has taken off. Why do you not live closer to us? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you might need a defibrillator when you're done eating it, but <laughs> definitely like it's worth every bite. And then um, the strawberries and cream pancakes with uh, strawberry eclair crumble, fresh strawberries and whipped cream like taken off. And then as far as savory, I'd say probably the Maryland crab omelet with Gruyere, spinach, and then top it with like an Old Bay Hollandaise. Nice. So yeah, it's our brunch is definitely starting to take off. Like if you want to go to brunch, I would definitely make a reservation at this point. <laughs> oh wow, it's that it's that yeah. popular. Okay, that's good to know. And if they were going to make a reservation, where can they make those reservations? Uh, they can do it right on our website at coppersharklocuspoint.com. Perfect. And uh, what do you know the number off the top of your head? I honestly do not. It's, oh, okay. It's all right. They can Google it. Yeah. <laughs> they can easily just Google that. Um, <laughs> so, and, and do you have any kind of, I know that you said that you're not LinkedIn um, savvy, but do you have a Instagram account? I do. Uh, it's Matthew Audet 77 on Instagram. And then actually, no, that's now with Chef Matt Audet. I apologize. <laughs> Chef Matt Audet on Instagram. And then uh, just Matthew Audet on Facebook. Oh, that's perfect. So 
Now, if I were to go there and visit you outside of the tomahawk steak and uh, some bourbon, what would you recommend and what would you, if you sat down with and, and indulged with me, what would you order? Uh, right now, I would probably start with the crispy fried burrata with andouille vinaigrette, crispy prosciutto, and pickled peppers. And then for an entree, I actually just tried it yesterday. I'm putting it on the menu. It is a spring lamb shank okay. with uh, herb soft polenta, spring vegetables. So I have like fiddlehead ferns, English peas, ramps, and morel mushrooms in there. And then the lamb shank is glazed with a nice strawberry rhubarb glaze on top. Nice. And um, for all daughters and sons out there, should they, you know, make reservations now for Mother's Day and Father's Day? Uh, I would get them in as soon as possible. So Mother's Day, we're going to be busy. But Father's Day, like considering all the steak, all the whiskey, everything (laughs) like that, it's the perfect place to bring your father for Father's Day. So I'm pretty sure we're going to fill up real quick. Oh, I'm sure, too. I mean, looking at your menu and just talking to you, uh, it's it's making me hungry and want to wish that I could transport myself there immediately. (laughs) Well, next time you're in Baltimore, please come by. Of course. Um, All right. But on that note, thank you so much for joining us on Food Farms and Chefs. And it went by that quickly. So if you are in the Baltimore, Maryland area, by all means, go visit Matt. Try some of the the delicious foods that he has created at Copper Shark, Baltimore. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. No problem. Thank you so much for joining us. You have a great day. You too. Join us on Food Farms and Chefs Radio Show, where we highlight everyone from top industry leaders to startups and the farmers who make it all possible with co-hosts Gene Blum and Amaris Pollock with original episodes that debut every Tuesday at 6 p.m. on WWDB 97.5 HD2 and at WWDBAM.com and on your smart speaker. Hi, and welcome to Food Farms and Chefs. I have the honor to introduce you to Louis Gangora, who is the owner of Vamo Coffee Company, which is located in Philadelphia. So, Louis, thank you for joining us on Food Farms and Chefs. Hi, thank you. <laughs> so, um, how did you get into this business? So, I've been working in the coffee industry for just a little over 11 years now. Uh, so... I always had a fascination with food, food science, uh, cooking, tasting different things. And uh, while I was in college, I moved to Philly and I started working in different restaurants. At one point, I wanted to work in a kitchen and maybe become a, a cook or a chef. And through that, I learned about coffee, that there's also a science uh, to coffee that was really interesting to me and it just all started from there back in 2012. So I worked for different companies, different uh, coffee shops, and now I am roasting coffee since uh, late 2020, 2020, October of 2020. So where did you learn the the art of roasting coffee? Because I know that there is a large brand company that roasts coffee near, on my way home, I pass by it, and I can smell on a regular basis they're burning their beans a little bit too much. They're <laughs> over-roasting, and it comes out oh, wow. like... I'm not going to name the brand, but I like I stopped buying it almost immediately because they overkilled their beans by over roasting them um, and bringing out too to making it too burned and too acidic. Um, how where did you learn the, the art of roasting? So um, roasting, I first did a consultation with a, a 
professional coffee roaster uh, that I follow and, and really like his methodology, really his coffee brewing science technique. So I got in touch with him. His name is Scott Rayo. He's very popular. He's very well known across the, the specialty coffee industry. Mm-hmm. And he led me to a another roaster in, in Brooklyn, or I'm sorry, in Queens, New York. So I went over to their roastery. I, t- I did a training there. Once I did that, I brought it all back to Philly and I set up shop uh, right around 11th and Callow Hill, just north of Chinatown at a, in a small studio space here in Philly. So that's where I got my training. And since then, it's just been a constant practice, repetition, applying new techniques, trying new things to really bring out the best qualities in each single origin coffee in order to highlight them and make sure that they taste really good. Uh, And yeah, and like you mentioned, and not um, overdo the coffees or, or not do them justice, if you will. Yeah. Um, now I know that there's a couple of uh, artisanal coffee roasters that are in the city. It's it seems like it's a small niche, a very small niche that you are involved in. And so, you know, I I applaud you on multiple levels because one thing is, you know, it's it's obviously as I said, it's an art form. I believe that yeah. coffee and creating a coffee that's brewed to a, a wide variety of palates because there are, you know, numerous people that obviously indulge in coffee. Um, it's what keeps me going for sure um, throughout the day. But uh, I I have a sensitive palate, so I'm one of the people who would go out there and, you know, I know that you offer, I believe you offer classes as well on, on brewing and, and roasting and you know the the art form of actually latte art as well yeah yeah that's right so i firstly started off uh, by roasting coffee uh, and then bagging small bags and selling them online uh, through the website and some social media uh, then started doing small events around the city and then got to work with a couple local coffee shops who we partnered and now they brew and sell the coffee. And yeah, recently, most recently, uh, since last summer, I started letting people come over to the studio, to the roasting space uh, on the weekends where we do, yeah, coffee roasting classes, uh, coffee tastings. Uh, We do uh, coffee brewing classes. So if you have a setup at home, but you're not really sure how to use it. We get right down to basics and we learn from scratch all the fundamentals, how to create recipes, uh, best techniques. And we do the same thing for espresso. So uh, a lot of people who come by, they, they are on the same boat. They have a espresso machine, a small espresso machine for the home, but they just want to learn how to use it better. Uh, because yeah, you're right. We as a country uh, in the US, we consume, I believe the most coffee in the world. Coffees definitely like a daily routine for most people and it only makes sense that we just learn how to brew better coffee and also uh, have more access to really good coffee which uh, specialty coffee it is a niche uh, but it's slowly uh, becoming a little more prominent, if you will. People are more aware of different coffee roasters, small companies who are bringing in really good tasty coffees. Now, 
I know that you source your coffees. You had mentioned single origin. You source your coffees from um, various places throughout the globe. Uh, in particular, right now on your online, you have uh, coffee coffee beans that are sourced from Brazil. Some that are uh, a couple that are are sourced from Colombia. One from Mexico and one from uh, Nicaragua. Nicaragua. Um, do you, when you choose these different beans, like, do you go out to these places, um, based on something, you know, word of mouth that you've, that you've heard from other coffee roasters that, you know, through the connections that you've made and then visit the, the farms that they, that they, um, come from? So, yeah, I do bring coffees, um, from different regions of the world. Uh, I, what I try to do is uh, bring in a small quantity. I, I honestly have a, a small inventory because I want to rotate coffees uh, seasonally. So whenever I bring in a coffee, I'll only grab a few bags. Uh, and once that's done, I get in touch with importers. So right now I only work with two importers. They're the ones going to the farms visiting the farmers, the producers, tasting their coffees at origin mm. and making contracts. Uh, I am only purchasing specialty grade coffee, uh, which is paid over a premium on the asking price. So we're making sure that the farmers get paid well yeah. and that they can recover cost, pay their employees, and if anything, reinvest that money to keep producing really tasty coffees. Uh, so I'm actually not doing any of the traveling. Uh, I've been to coffee farms on my own, but uh, I really just rely on, on the importers that I work with, who I trust and rely on mm -hmm. uh, to do that traveling, which is very expensive, to be honest. So yeah. that kind of saves me the trip. Yeah. <laughs> It definitely, it, yeah, I could, I can understand that because it does cost money to travel, um, you know, and, and decisions made on based on trust in, you know, a working relationship matter. Um, but I, one of the things that, um, caught my interest is this, the, uh, Nariño honey process. So yeah. What for our listeners out there? Because I, I was reading a little bit about it. Let our listeners know what that process is and how that kind of builds towards the the overall endpoint profile. Yeah, sure. Um, so that Colombian coffee is from the Nariño region uh, in Colombia. So Colombia has really great ideal climate for coffee growing conditions. Uh, a newer production method is called the honey process, which is really just a way of fermenting the coffee seeds. Uh, so when the coffee cherries, uh, coffee beans come from inside cherries, similar to the cherries that we eat, mm -hmm. uh, they grow on trees. When the farmers see that the cherries are plump, they're ripe, they're ready to be picked, they collect them, and then there's a depulping process where you remove and extract the seeds out of these cherries. Uh, but around these seeds, there's a sticky mucilage substance that uh, 
coat the seeds, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, this sticky mucilage, they call it honey. And by letting the seeds dry with the honey intact, uh, the coffee seeds uh, ferment a bit. Uh, they do control the fermentation period. Uh, it can take anywhere from, say, 12 hours to like a few days. It's really up to the farmer and their method of production. This fermentation will make the seeds taste more fruity. Sometimes it'll give it more tropical fruit flavor notes. Uh, so that's where really the term honey process comes from. It's just a, a style, a method of letting the coffee ferment hmm. in a way. Mm-hmm. Now, I want to circle back to something that you had said. You you said that you source it seasonally. I That's not something that I ever associate coffee beans with. That's something... You know, I've I've typically associated with other ingredients that are, you know, grown on farms um, where, uh-huh. you know, where everything is seasonal. But it's not something I've ever associated or thought of um, as far as coffee is concerned. So that that's actually kind of interesting that you had stated that um, how prominent uh, because for me, I, I you know, I love obviously I love coffee. But I don't think like, well, like, are these beans seasonal? So how, you know, can can we go go into that a little mm-hmm. bit further? Yeah, for sure. So uh, by uh, referring to seasonality, uh, coffee uh, is harvested once a year. Uh, so once the farmers collect that coffee and once they sell all of it, they have to wait a whole year usually to let the coffees, uh, trees, let the trees grow more seeds, uh, or I'm sorry, more cherries. And then you can um, collect those cherries again once they're ripe. But it's usually a once a year harvest. So once that coffee runs out, even on my end, mm-hmm. I would have to wait a whole year to bring that coffee back. So for example, the Nicaraguan coffee that I have right now, yeah, uh, that arrived in the country uh, in February of this year. Okay. Uh, So once that coffee runs out, once I sell that coffee, um, if I do want to bring it back, I'm going to have to wait until the next harvest season uh, and see when it arrives in the country, and then I'll be able to, to buy it and sell it again on my end. So until then, uh, say, for example, for the summer season coming up, uh, I can look look into what's fresh, what's uh, available, what's what has recently arrived in the country. I'll talk to the importers. I'll taste different coffees, different lots, see which ones I really like, and then that will be my purchasing decision as to what coffees to bring in according to the season. That's really interesting, especially, I mean, I feel like I, I would have to, I would want to like stock up on that particular uh, brand because the tasting notes on it, I mean, you can't not love strawberry, milk, chocolate, and almond. (laughs) Yeah. And, you know, Yeah. yeah. And in order to like pull those flavors out, I feel like 
me personally, like you can you there's like on the nose and then there's on your palate. And I feel like when you add just a little bit of sugar, you don't even have to add a lot of sugar, but just add a little bit of sugar. It kind of um, blooms those flavors in your mouth. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, sugar can definitely be a, an enhancer, you know, uh, in sweetness for sure. Um, but yeah, coffees, they naturally, depending on the region, uh, again, the production method, what the farmer did to produce the coffee, uh, yeah, they can have some really nice, tasty flavor notes, and, and they're all just naturally part of that seed. Um, we can manipulate those flavors uh, a bit in the roasting process and also in the brewing process mm. but a lot of the time uh, those flavors are just inherent of the coffee seed itself uh, again depending in what region or what country uh, the coffee was grown at and are these some of the things when people go in to take the, the um, classes that you offer that you know you you know brew some of these these um beans and show show individuals like how the different techniques because i feel like a drip coffee has a different flavor profile than say a french press um because mm-hmm. the grind size is different and the the amount of time that it steeps is different mm-hmm. yeah you're totally right yeah so um uh, say, for example, um, a Mexican coffee um, can naturally be citrusy and chocolatey, for example. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, depending if you brew a French press versus a espresso of that same Mexican coffee, uh, you might taste the citrus a little more in the espresso. And with the French press, you might taste the chocolate a little more. So it really, yeah, it depends on the brewing method, on the grind size that you're using. Uh, so, yeah, in the classes, we taste the coffees for what they are, and then we brew them, uh, make a few more adjustments and tweaks just to see what those changes do to the coffee. Yeah. And most of the time, uh, people do realize the changes, and, and they taste, we all taste it together, and we talk about them, and... Yeah, most of the time people do realize like, oh, wow, there is a difference. Like I didn't know coffee could change just by making even small adjustments. You'll notice the differences. Um, So, yeah, that's part of the class, just learning how to um, brew coffee, um, make changes uh, to some variables, one variable at a time usually, and then seeing what the difference in taste are. Now, um, for individuals who are out there listening right now, um, you offer subscriptions to the various uh, beans that you offer as well. Yeah, I do um, a monthly subscription. If, if people try the coffee and do want to join, I do a very simple promotion, which is two bags of coffee for $20 a month or four bags for $40 if, if you consume more coffee than, than most people. And with that, the whole seasonality concept comes into mind. So once a new coffee rolls in, you'll also receive those new fresh seasonal coffees. 
with the subscription. So yeah, it's just part of um, having these specialty coffees be more accessible to home users. Specialty is based when people are learning more about coffee. Uh, there's a lot more brewing devices, brewing equipment for the home that are a lot more affordable than in the past. Uh, there's still somewhat of a learning curve. So once you give some training and you also provide really tasty coffee that will help you along the way. Yeah, it just kind of makes it more fun, easier to brew really good coffee at home. For our listeners out there, we actually ran out of time. So for our listeners out there who are looking to visit you and also to purchase um, your coffee and to take classes, where can they find you? You can go to the website vamocoffee.com, V-A-M-O, Vamo coffee.com or just check out the instagram at vamo coffee uh, there's also a facebook page I'll, I'll post updates any events or new coffees that i release thank you so much for uh joining us on food farms and chefs and we hope to brew a cup of your beans really soon okay thank you so much for having me appreciate you no problem to listen to the rest of Food Farms and Chefs, tune your HD radio to 97.5 WPEN HD2 or stream live from WWDBAM.com.